And uh, uh, hang on just a minute. This is uh, an interesting one. I don't know the author of the hymn we just sang, but it really does and should uh, give us an insight of what our heart should be like. Um, just read the lyrics there, O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in this darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior. Life more abundant and free. In the second verse, though death into life everlasting he passed, and we follow him there. Over us sin hath no more dominion, for more than conquerors we are. His word, verse 3, shall not fail you. He promised, believe in him, and all will be well. Then go to the world that is dying and his perfect salvation to tell. Now, I, <clears throat> I've uh, worked for a couple big places. Kraft Foods was one, and then the second place is this. And many times they'll, if, uh, I don't know if you follow the news too much, but we have very, very poor uh, grades on TSA for catching for covert testing that they would send through the security checkpoints and through the baggage uh, lanes. And whenever that happens, something like that, and you get poor grades on something, which is a big deal. I mean, we're talking about the well-being of passengers and, and really the commercial use of aircraft. Um, there's a shakeup. And uh, that means they, they, don't, they don't care what they have to do. We've got to make our numbers better. Something's got to happen. Uh, <clears throat> and it has. Uh, it's, it's a big change. Matter of fact, so much so that uh, it's, uh, it's almost overwhelming for the average officer. I've been there 50, almost well, 12, over 12 years. And, uh, and the, the testing, they're, they're not testing once in a while. They're testing every day. They're sending uh, test bags, test passengers. Uh, they, they're doing everything they can to change uh, what's wrong. Um, same thing when I worked for Kraft. We, uh, our overhead was too much, and they asked for somebody to come in and look at what we were doing, uh, and this uh, outside group came in and said you're, you're way too heavy on the top side they cut out from sev seven layers of management to five that was a big change um, and I went from being a line mechanic to a, uh, a uh, um, line technician which just basically gave me leadership in, over the line as well as the maintenance end of it um, I say all that to say we need to be a soul-winning church. And that's not something that I'm saying to you only. I'm saying that to myself. <clears throat> if Christ came to die for sinners, and then as you sang this last hymn, it says, once you get saved and once you understand your own salvation, uh, there's a, it participates a love for others and a concern for others that is going to motivate you to do things differently. And that means that basically we're going to get out of our comfort zone and uh, 
And I'm going to do anything I can. If, uh, if we're going to move things around, we're going to say, well, you know, well, this is the way we use People have a hard time sometimes when people say, well, we always used to do it this way. And I can remember that. That's such a, a trite phrase whenever you make a big change. So I'm looking at, looking at the whole picture as looking as you and me, what can we do to win souls? Uh, right now it doesn't feel like a very good weather to go out knocking on doors. People want to stand at their door and talk to you. And, uh, but how many of you think that no matter what the weather is, we need to be doing something to bring souls to Christ? And so please um, understand that's not just me as your pastor. I believe that's, that's the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God is challenging us to say, listen, if you're really saved and you really know the Lord and you really want to serve Him, then there has to be this soul winner's heart. And you've got to ask yourself and you've got to, you've got to do this self-assessment. Um, they ask us to do that all the time. But I don't like it. But they don't, they don't ask, what does your boss think of you? What does your uh, co-workers think of you? What do you think of yourself? How do you assess yourself? And, uh, you know, we can, we can take self-assessment or we can take assessments from others and we can just say, well, that's their opinion. Well, let's, let's do that self-assessment. You know, are you, are you in love with the Lord enough to love other folks to bring them to Christ? And that means that it's going to start off with being in the Word and we, we're... we're, we're pushing that, pressing upon that, learning your word, having your devotions, and also memorizing the word of God. And all of preparation for what? To do what? What are we going to do after we do that? Yeah, we're going to win souls. It, there should be something growing inside of you in this process that says, wow, I can't sit here. Remember that illustration, I think it's in, uh, I think it's in Kings or Chronicles, where this lepers were outside the city walls and the army of the, like, uh, I forgive me, I was, I was thinking about looking it up again this morning, I can't remember the army that was besieging that city and the lepers couldn't go in you know, because uh, they were lepers yeah Nineveh right and they said well you know if we go in why you know we're going to starve with everybody else uh, if we go to the enemy we're going to be you know uh, killed by them and finally they said, well what have we got to lose <laughs> and they went to the enemy and what, what did they find anybody remember that story Yes. Yeah, they all ran away because they heard like uh, noises, like horses coming. Yeah. So they thought it was uh, the Egyptians and the uh, other um, coming to help them out. <laughs> yeah. Well, isn't that a perfect illustration to me of of faith? It says all these fears, some of them legitimate, some not. How, how true it is that sometimes the devil has put up this, this uh, facade of defense against us going. And really that's all it is, is a facade. So please, I, I'm just trying to give you a heads up. This is the direction I believe it's very solid scripturally. And it's very much what, what Christians should be, and especially Baptists, and, Baptists traditionally have been soul winners. Um, I was encouraged um, yesterday. Uh, Harold said one of the calls that he got was from a pastor King, Pastor Wayne King, I think, out in Wyoming, and uh, and he mentioned that he had a man that had come to Chicago, and. Uh, and I was encouraged to how this man, he was a new convert, and he wanted us to follow up on him, and how this man loved this guy, no matter even if he was out of his, his area. 
and uh, and and I was encouraged by his spirit and by his heart and by his desire. And before the conversation was closed, he says, "Can we pray for him?" See, that's the way it should be. We ought to have that kind of love for other people. That is a spiritual love that's willing to get out of our comfort zone and say, listen, um, there's more to what's going on in this world. Uh, I don't know whether you've heard the news. Uh, it just broke, I think, yesterday, late yesterday, about uh, Anthony Scalia, uh, one of the Supreme Court justices, one of the few conservative justices. For you that don't know the difference, there is a huge difference. I may remember Roe versus Wade. Okay, where, what did that change in our land? They made abortion legal. At that, that time, most people were against it. They, they legislate from the bench. That means they're killing babies. Now, we could be consumed in that. We could be focused on that, but where should we be focused? Be focused on what God is doing. If God changes minds and converts people to salvation and eternal life, listen, everything else is taken care of. You know, that's really where our focus should be. So please, if you're looking at this 2016, you say, what, what, where are we going? I, last two years I handed out things. What do you think we should be doing? And, uh, and I, I hope that, uh, that you'll see that this is what we should be doing. We need to be in love with what God's work is and the people that God has come to save. Now, how many of you believe that God has placed you purposely in this generation? I know he has me. And if he's placed me in this generation, then he says, if you're here, I intended for you to stand. I intended for you to love the souls that I put in this generation. We may sometimes feel like Jeremiah. <laughs> right? One of the which one of them says, well, I'm ready to give me. He said, no, there's, I've got 7,000 people that haven't bowed. Huh? Elijah, I haven't bowed to the knees of Baal. So don't feel like you're alone. There's other people. I, I met this man in Wyoming. I felt very encouraged by his, his spirit and his heart. All right, so if you take your Bible and turn to the book of John, we're going to look at the idea of a soul winner's heart. I looked at the idea of a love for souls, and I, uh, if you've been in, even here, I have probably preached this, but it's a different message. It's certainly not the same message. I never, I, I don't think, I, I think last week when I preached another man's message, uh, it was the first time I've done that probably in years. So I never re-preach an old message. I just go to the same passage and whatever the Lord gives me, I preach again. And maybe some of the same points. But I want you to see in, in John chapter number 4, what, what goes on in chapter number 3 of John? Nicodemus, right. Nicodemus, and, uh, and we, we get what verse out of there that we all should know? Yeah, we need to be born again. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, right? Um, and so we, out of off the heels of chapter number three, we come into chapter number four. What is chapter number four about? What? Huh? Woman at the well. And so we're going to go through. I want to read through this. I'm. I, it's a very long uh, uh, piece, and I, I decided this morning I was going to divide it. So I'm going to put half of it this afternoon. It's just too long to kind of get everything in today in one message. But I want you to look as we read through this, and we're going to watch you stand out of respect for the Word of God. And I want you to see, again, uh, the heart of a soul winner. Of course, who would not be the greatest of all soul winners but our Lord Himself? Starting in chapter number 4, verse number 1. And the Bible says... When therefore the Lord knew how that the Pharisees heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again unto Galilee. 
And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground which Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour, that means between nine and twelve. And there cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples are gone away unto the city to buy meat or food. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it thou, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is thou sayest to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest ask of him, and he would have given thee living water. And the woman said and saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. And the woman saith to him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And Jesus saith unto her, call, Go call thy husband and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in in that saidst thou truly. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know that what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. For the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And the woman saith to him, I know that the Messiah cometh, which is called the Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, you have your church. Lord, you said in your word that you're the head of the church. Father, we know that you being the head of the church, that Father, your spirit, your heart, your mind has not changed in your concern and your desire to bring lost individuals that are perishing in their sin to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus. And I pray that, Father, that others would see that you are speaking to them as well through us. That you're speaking to them because of their sin. You're speaking of them because of their unforgiveness. And Father, they're they're in a place of perishing. Help us, Father, to gain not only a love for souls, but a heart of a soul winner. In Jesus' name, amen. And have a seat. So a soul winner's heart. What can we take from these passages of the Lord Jesus? What can we glean from them that would help us to gain having that soul winner's heart? We think of the heart as being the central of our our body. It's what makes us stay alive. Without a good heart, why it changes everything that we do. Our physical activity and how we feel. In John chapter number 4, the Bible says he must needs go through Samaria. It was of a necessity that he had to go through Samaria. It used to be in those times that the people didn't go through Samaria. They would go around Samaria. 
It was longer. It was more difficult to go around Samaria, but they had no dealings with the Samaritans. Just as this woman said. And so she... And I thought about this this morning, the way he asked me, give me drink. (laughs) You know, it wasn't like, please give me a drink, give me to drink. Almost a command. And I'm thinking, why? And it just kind of struck me in a funny way. And yet the expectation was there that the Lord expected that from her. That kind of relationship that he could expect, that kind of of uh, uh, answer to his request. But if you look in Luke chapter number 2, and you can look there, you can look up on, if you can see it from where you're sitting, the Bible says in 2 and verse 49 of, chapter, of Luke, And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wish ye not that I was, must be about my father's what? Listen, what, where was that said? And, and who was it said by? It was said by Jesus. What other interesting fact do we know about that when he said that? Yeah, he's talking to his mom and dad. How old was he? Twelve years old. About twelve years old. Listen, I, I want you to understand that a soul winner's heart... I, I remember, now I'll get to this verse. It's in the book of, book of Jeremiah. Listen... A soul's winner's heart. We look at soul winning sometimes as a burden. Well, I can understand why people would call it a burden. Maybe they think of it as the right way. Listen, it ought not to be to us a burden. We ought to look at and understand that it's, it's the idea that, that when you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit enables us to know the heart of God. And to have the passion. Listen. It's not a burden like I have to do this. It's that I want to do this. Isn't that a difference? If you have to do something, then it means that probably there's a part of you that's going to drag your feet, right? You're going to find reasons or excuses why you can't do that. But when you have the heart... Of the Lord Jesus Christ and the heart of God gives to every believer. It's not a burden. And so when you think about it, you're, you should be and I should be. And when we're uh, uh, having our devotions and when we're reading in the word of God. And when we're memorizing the scriptures. God changed this thinking in me. From this being some kind of burden. To being a blessing. I get to go share the gospel with somebody. It's a privilege to know the truth. And to give others the opportunity to be saved. Sometimes we are so concerned what other people think of us, right? Isn't that really the heart of what's behind that? Is we're so worried or consumed by uh, their opinion of us. Listen, I can tell you right now that the rich man that fared sumptuously every day wishes there was somebody uh, that would have been more direct with him and more loved him more and had more passion for him to warn him that, hey, where he is now suffering that we read about in Luke 16, he is still suffering. You and I know that, don't we? We know that. And we ought to have that heart and say, listen, even though this person doesn't realize the danger they're in, that we ought to have the heart of God and the mind of God. And when he looked at this woman, you'd say, well, she's a lost cause. And we'll get into the, what she was involved in. But he didn't look at it that way. I must needs go through Samaria. I must. There needs to be that kind of thinking and that kind of heart. And I think it's proper, my Christian friend, to ask God, please. This is your heart that we read about in John chapter 4. And I want what you had. I want, Lord. I don't want to drag my feet. I don't want to be indifferent. I want to be lovingly concerned to the degree that I'm going to not worry about what the woman at the well thinks of me. I'm going to worry about what you think, Lord. 
And I don't even, it ought to be to the point that it's not so much, listen, Lord, I just want, I just want to do your will. And we're going to see that. John chapter number 6 and verse 38, he says, For I came, not, came down from heaven not to do my own will, but what? The will of him that sent me. There's a lot of reasons that we might do different things, but the main purpose I'm here, it isn't just to do the things that I've got to do every day with work and family. Uh, yes, there are things that got to be done uh, as far as making a living and, and putting food on the table and paying the bills and taxes, whatever, but my main purpose is the will of my Father. The grandest purpose that I can have, and that should be a heart purpose. Notice what it says in verse number 6 that we read. The Bible says, And Jacob's well was there, and Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey. Now, I don't know how far they'd walked. But the Bible says the sixth hour is somewhere between 9 and 12. So he got evidently gotten up early, and they'd traveled quite a ways, and he was weary. And I don't know about you. When we get weary, we think, well, I just want to put my feet up. I just want to relax. I want to do something. Uh, I just want to gel. But you understand that he was weary with what he was doing. But here's the reviving. What is the reviving? It seeks to be revived. What, what motivates us that even when we're tired, we want to do something like what? A life without purpose is what? you have no purpose, what's, what's the value of your life? I, I'm, I see more of this in me than I've ever seen before. I, 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 I don't think about my age, but I'm thinking, you know what? Uh, what, has, what has defined my life? What is, what, if somebody looked back and they put an epitaph uh, across the headstone of Pastor what was his life? What was his purpose? It ought to be what? Without serving and doing the will of God, it's empty, isn't it? It really is. Well, I guess he was uh, somebody, somebody. But in the eyes of God, did it have a real purpose? Did it have lasting rewards? Let's see what the Bible says. John chapter 4, verse number 7. Here comes the reviving. Then cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. Wow. All, all of a sudden, what went away? What went away? He's thinking about how tired he was? No. Wow, here's an opportunity. Here's that opportunity. This is why I need, must needs go through Samaria. And Jesus said, give me the drink. You look in Luke chapter 17, if you can't read it up there, and, or read it from your Bible, the Bible says in verse 33, Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall what? Lose it. If it's all about me, then it, the whole purpose is gone. Whosoever shall lose his life shall what? Preserve it. That reviving, that's what it's all about. You know, you think about it, I, it, we ought to look at lost people as an opportunity. Not as a burden, oh, I probably should say something, I should uh, give them, warn them, love them, do something to uh, promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 19, chapter 19, verse 10, For the Son of Man has come to what? To seek and to save. What did He come for? To seek and to save. Say it to yourself. I'm come to seek and to save. That is my purpose. That is my reviving. That's what motivates me. That's what moves me. That's what thrills my soul. That's what I get excited about. That's my purpose for learning verses and memorizing. That's my purpose for God. Oh, we got coming to Wednesday night. What am I coming here for? Praying for souls that are lost. Getting a, a praying every day, getting my church to see this is a burden, or a, I hate to use that word, this is my purpose, because it's not a burden. I want us to change our thinking when it comes to that. He came to seek and to save. 
That means to me, and I've said it before, but I say, you know what? If, if my life is so crowded with things that I cannot do my, the divine purpose that God has given me that would revive my heart, somebody tell me what I should do. Somehow I can't do What should I do? If my purpose can't be fulfilled, what should I do? Pray. Say, God, change my life. Clean out the things that don't belong. Just like I said earlier, if if the divine purpose of God for Garfield Ridge Baptist Church and the members thereof is to be a soul-winning church to pray for people, learn verses, know the Word of God, be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, if that's God's divine purpose, and God says, listen, maybe I need to shake the church up. Right? Maybe I need to rack and roll a little bit here and make it see that, hey, way we're going, we need to change things. This isn't what I designed this church to be. Just warming pews and learning verses and hearing preaching, singing songs. No, my divine purpose is to be revived in that idea of winning souls. And we ought to look at, at that opportunity. Think about it. When you have the Spirit of God in your life, and you have the Word of God hidden in your hearts, and it says in the book of Joel that he's going to, your sons and daughters shall what? What are they going to do? Prophesy. They're going to speak before people. They're going to let people know. Wouldn't that be exciting to have, have your, your daughters and son be the greatest witnesses in the church? Man, they go out and, they, and they, they, they see relatives, they see friends, they see neighbors. Dad, Dad, can we give this guy a track? Can we talk to this person about Jesus? <laughs> wow. You have the chance to be just like the Lord as He did to Adam. He breathed into Adam what? The breath of life. Wow. Wow. God could use you to breathe the breath of life into people that are lost. This woman that was and had no clue of thinking about Jesus, about God, about the Word of God, about salvation, about eternity, and God stops her life just like this. <laughs> That's something special for you. Directly from heaven. And God breathed into that woman the breath of life. Look at John. How's the heart of the soul winner is refreshed? John chapter number 7, verse number 38. He that believeth on me, as the scriptures say, out of his belly shall flow rivers of what? Living water. So it's not, we're just not always taking it in, we're what? Giving it out. It's not something we're just take, 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 take. Listen, if, I don't know about you. I'd, if I can't give something out, church is going to be kind of boring to me. Really, it is. Okay. How many heard that advertisement? Get up. Go to work. Eat supper. Come home. Eat supper. Fight. I don't remember what it is. Fight traffic. Get up. Go to work. I don't know about you. That's boring to me. But you get up in the morning and say, well, I'm going to work, but my mind and my heart is to win souls. I, if I can't be uh, doing something to win souls, I'm going to pray for souls. If I can't pray for souls at that point, I'm going to memorize verses so I can, out of my belly shall flow rivers of living water. Shouldn't our words be seasoned with grace? Doesn't the Bible say that? How many think that's an opportunity? How many think, wow, me, little old me could do that? You and the Lord Jesus Christ in you accomplishing a great thing. Verse number 39. But this he spake, he of the Spirit which they should believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not glorified. So why was the Holy Spirit again main just? Not just for you or others, wasn't it? You have so you don't sense the presence of God in your life? 
When would you sense the presence of God? When rivers of living water flow. How many know what I'm talking about? How many of your soul gets excited when you get a chance to speak up for Jesus? Right? When you get a chance to share the grace of God and the goodness of God and the mercy of God. I said, wow, this is great. This is good. I, I, man, I, I, boy, once you have a taste of it. And you know, one of the things that becomes so powerful is when you know God is using you. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You know that God, you're that channel God is using for that moment. And how many of you got through the end of a conversation you've had with somebody about the Lord and you said, Wow. Where'd that come from? <laughs> that didn't sound like me. I don't think that was me. Guess what? It wasn't you. It was God. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It was Him allowing you, giving, just saying, Lord, do whatever you want to do. Okay, Lord, I don't know how this is going to all work out, but for the glory of God and for this person's good, I'm going to share some, something from my heart and my soul. I mean, do you think, Christian, we're going the right direction? You think so? You think this is what Christians should be doing? How many think Christians should be doing this? How many think if Jesus was here, he'd <laughs> Amen! <laughs> I mean, we hear the Lord saying, well, let's, let's do. Let's do what the Spirit of God was designed to do through us. Revived heart of purpose finds a blessing in being a blessing. Now, what I'm trying to get you to see here, it's not a burden. Stay with me, Pastor. It's not a burden. Being a soul winner and having a soul winner's heart and a love for souls is not a burden. Notice what it says in John chapter 4, verse 10. It says in, in, the, in the text that we read, Jesus answered and said to her, If thou knewest the gift of God. I don't know about you. How, you your kids. I know all my grandkids are. They, they, the mom and dad say, you know, this is going to be a gift for somebody, grandma and grandpa or so-and-so. They are so excited. They got this gift and they know what it is and they know who it's for and they can't wait. And they almost tell everybody before they give it to them what's inside. You know what I'm talking about, right? They get so charged up. Wow, I got this gift. Well, listen, that's what you and I have. We have this tremendous gift of God that we've been given. And we told the keys to other people knowing the truth. And we'd say, well, you know what? God loves you. God died for you. God sent His only begotten Son for you. And He wants to forgive you no matter what you've done. His plan is that you have salvation. His plan is for eternal life. His plan for is that you have an abundant life in Christ. I didn't say easy life. I just said abundant. How many of you thought, well, I gotta, when I get a Christian, none of them, no problems. <laughs> Boy, you opened the door and that's all it was problem. You fight the devil, you fight sin. But look at Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. If you can't read it from where you're at. He says, for unto us a what? Child is born. Unto us a what? Son is given. Gift. And the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called what? Wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. Is that a gift? Wow! It is a gift! A glorious gift that you have. And you have the ability to hand off to somebody else. Sometimes I think people see you and... and uh, oh, I'm under this burden. Oh, man, it's great being a Christian. Well, you want to join me? I don't think most people want to be saved when they see the look your countenance. It ought to be, wow, this is great. And I think it can be and should be, and I think God will give you the grace to be that. You know, uh, to have the gift and not share it, when it could be a blessing, there's another word we could put in place of it. It's a 
shame. Your mother say ever say shame on you? How'd you feel? Shame on you. I know my dog used to do that. Shame on you. You know, it's 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 not only a shame when we know the truth, but it's a shame when we don't share the truth. Listen, we God has given you the ability not only to be have what you have in an earthen vessel and to be changed by that and to be gloriously changed and your mind is renewed your heart is renewed your desires are renewed and shame on you if you if they're not but more shame on you even so if you don't share that it's like those lepers shame on us if we don't tell somebody they were eating and they were enjoying they were gathering up all this goods from all these uh, empty uh, uh, camp and said, wow, this is great. And they, they took it back and they went back and got some more and they said, wait a minute. There's a whole bunch of people inside that city, Nineveh, that don't know about what's going on out here. And we know it and we don't tell them. And they're starving. They're eating. Didn't they eat their the dung? From, yeah, they're eating their own kids. And we know there's nothing out here and these people are, are scared to death that the enemy's out there. Nobody out here. Isn't that a perfect picture of the devil? How, how he's, he's already been defeated? He has no more dominion. Once a person puts their faith in Christ, he has no more dominion over them. They're liberated. You're liberated. We have the hope of eternal life. A revived heart of purpose. The blessing in being a blessing. James chapter 5. I'm going to spend a lot of time on this, but if you want to turn there with me. In verse number 20. He says, Let him know that he which converteth a sinner from the error of his ways shall save a soul from what? Death. Let them know. The Bible says. That's my job as your pastor. Let you know. You save him from the error of his way. shall save his soul from death. And shall hide a multitude of sins. You realize. For you first generation Christians. Raise your hand. I've got my hand up. I'm first generation. First generation Christian. You've been born again. Family behind you didn't know the Lord, but you got saved. You realize, think with me, not only the person that led you to the Lord and and introduced you to the Lord Jesus Christ has given through the grace of God the ability that your life is resurrected. What about the children and grandchildren to follow? A multitude a multitude. Think about it. They won't have to experience a wrecked home. Amen. They won't have to experience the, the depravity of, of, of alcohol or drugs Amen. or porn. They won't have to experience the heartbreak that your family went through. All because why? Let them know! Listen, what a great privilege we have of somebody that's got a revived heart with a purpose, a blessing, of being a blessing, that it just, it breaks the chain. Sunday school this morning, I heard about the, I forgot, I wasn't there that night, but the guy from uh, Reformers. How many think God broke the chain there? Going to raise up a seed, boy. I don't. I don't want my children to go with. I don't. Want, I don't want my grandchildren to be any close to that. And they don't have to be, and they shouldn't be. Spiritual understanding of a blessing. Take your Bible and turn to the Book of Acts. I want you to read this with me. 
Acts chapter number 20. What the Bible says. Acts chapter number 20. Verse number 27. We're going to read all the way down to verse 35. 36. He says, For I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. This is the Apostle Paul speaking as he's making his last tour through the churches. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and unto all the flock unto which the Holy Ghost hath made you an overseer to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know that after the, my departure shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Verse 31, Therefore watch and remember that the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Now, brethren, I commend unto you to the God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. In other words, I'm going to give you a big word called opportunity. Don't blow it. <clears throat> I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. means my purpose of life was what, what it was to win souls, build the church. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered to my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak. And remember in the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus, how he said it is more what? Blessed to give than receive. Say it with me. It's more blessed to give than receive. Say it again. It is more blessed to give than receive. What can you say, Pastor? I don't have anything to give. I'm barely making it myself. You know you have a lot to give. You and I have so much. We, we, we carry within our own soul the knowledge of the truth. And you have the ability to pray for people. You have the ability to minister to people. And you and I are, are recognizing that, listen, the greatest thing I can do is expend my energy, my time, and all my resources for the purpose of souls. There's nothing more greater. Nothing greater that you could do with your life. I would be, wouldn't it be great, you'd say, wouldn't it be great that, it, it, that, that would, they would be able to identify the headstones of the Garfield Ridge Baptist Church? Not because it said Garfield Ridge Baptist Church, but they said so-and-so had a love for souls. Wouldn't that be great? I want them to write that across my epitaph. I pray that it's true. I pray that it's not only true for me, I pray that it'll be true for you. Oh, she had a love for souls. She prayed for souls. He prayed for souls. Their family had a love for souls. The children had a love for souls. And had a heart to see them converted. Spiritual understanding of not only a blessing, but notice what it says in First Thessalonians chapter two and verse number nineteen. This is the Paul talking to the church at Thessalonica. Thessalonians. First Thessalonians chapter number two. Verse 13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. 
For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which are in Judea, are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they of the Jews, who both killed our Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us, and they please not God, and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sins always, for the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, being taken from you a short while in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope, our joy, or our crown of rejoicing? He's going to get the answer, folks. What is our hope? What is our joy? What is our crown of rejoicing? Listen, that's not talking about a burden, is it? Is it talking? Does that sound like a burden to you? Or does that sound like a blessing? What is our what is a divine desire that we should have when life is all done? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? Bring those souls with you. And you stand before God. It won't be because, oh, look what I've done, Lord. There's no bragging in heaven, by the way. But just the fact, oh, man, they're there. <laughs> Woo! Praise God they made it. They did trust Christ. Yeah, I didn't see a lot of fruit, but they did put their faith in Him. Why, that's Grandma. I remember witnessing to her, and she was dying on her deathbed, and I said, oh God, please save her, and I witnessed to her. Told her about Jesus, and then He would die her. Please put your trust in Christ. Oh, Grandma. Soul winner's heart. Above and beyond the blessing. Above and beyond the blessing. You know, we have blessings. And we count different things blessings. But when you look in John chapter number 10, you're going to see more that it's more than just the blessing. John chapter 10, you're going to see that the Lord Jesus comes on the end of the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd that lives and dwells in you and me. The Good Shepherd that's head of the church. The good shepherd does what? The Bible says in verse 6, This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not the things which were spake unto them. Verse 7, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the chief. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill and destroy. But I I am come that they might have life and they might have it what? More abundantly. I don't know about you. That's a good reward, isn't it? That's a huge reward. What a privilege we have. What an opportunity we have. And not just, not just to kind of put some kind of notches on our, on our belt that said, oh, I did this or I did that. No, it's not like that. Not like that at all. You, the left hand won't know what the right hand's doing, but you will know there'll be a sense of the presence of God and the joy of the Holy Spirit of God 
that when we make it that purpose of heart and that purpose of mind, of desire, that God, I don't want to be a soul winner that has to be a soul winner. I don't want to be a soul winner because uh, 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 that's my, what I'm supposed to do. I want to be a soul winner, God, because that's your love, that's your desire, that's your mindset. I'm going to ask. When this weather gets warmer, I'm going to ask, folks, listen. I want you to get a heart for souls. I want you in your neighborhood. Hey, how hard is it to get a bunch of little kids together and have a good time? Teach them a little bit something about Jesus. Hand out some treats. And give them a little story about Jesus Christ. Love them, folks. Love their mom and dads. Put up with the things you've got to put up with because God has given you a heart for souls. Listen, the church is not a country club, folks. It's a hospital for souls. It's a hospital. And you're one of the doctors that is in this hospital. You're praying for them and you're ministering to them and you're receiving the greatest blessing that you could possibly receive. A life that is what? Abundant. And you're going to, I believe, if we, if we ask the Lord himself, say, Lord, listen, I want you to step it up with me. I don't want to just do it because I'm supposed to do it. I want to do it because I want, I want to love to do it. I want to love to do it. It can happen, folks. And it should. It should be above and beyond. We're almost done. The blessing that blesses. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 22. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. Unto what? Unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. It's better to What? What did Jesus say in Acts chapter 20? It's better to what? Give than receive. The purpose, the heart, the mind, the soul, it's better. Listen, I'm all done, folks. But I'm saying, please, give the Lord a chance. Right? Let's just test the Lord. Let's just, Lord, please, if this is not a burden... If this is a blessing, if this is my purpose, this is what I'm made for, this is what I'm designed for, this is why your Holy Spirit dwells in me, that I might from my belly flow rivers of living water. If this is what the Bible teaches, and this is what is true, then let me be that blessing. And let me be blessed. Let me be. Listen. God has placed us in this generation, no matter what you might think of it. He has by design placed you and me in this generation to whine and complain. Man up! Christ up! Ask God, no, I'm not going to be like that. I'm going to have God's will be done in my life. I'm going to ask God, don't let me be a sour, old, grumpy Christian that whines and complains that, that, that I live in this generation. Thank God I live in this generation. Thank God I have children to raise up for God. Because it can. What I read from this, when I see the mind of God and the heart of God and the Spirit of God, listen. You go back to those Thessalonians. They were, they were being persecuted right and left and, and, and whatnot. But did they have the joy? What is our hope? What is our joy? Because they got the opportunity and they took it. 
And I think that no less than we can do the same thing. It's time for change, folks. Time for a little shake-up. God is shaking your pastor up. I pray that he'd shake us all. Let's stand as we pray. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, please not just for the sake of souls, but Father, for your glory's sake, for your will's sake, Father, for our own good's sake. Please, Lord, I'm praying that you would shake us up. And Father, when it's all settled, Father, that we're different people, that our minds are different, our hearts are different. And Father, that we look at our devotions and our time in your word and time in memorizing and prime praying, with a view that says, listen, this, is, this has a divine writing that's on the wall that I am and can and should have a heart for souls. Lord, we have a great treasure in earth and vessel, a sacred thing that we hold and know and live. And Lord, there's people that are dying. That Father, if we just... Trust you, Father, that you'd bring them in. And Father, that you'd convert them. And Father, that we break the chains of sin. The dominion that the Satan has over their heart, over their mind, over their families. Lord, please. By the grace of God, help us to trust you for what we should be. We ask this in Jesus' name.